Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Dwight, I've noticed in our non-D&D games, we have somebody comes up with an interesting concept and then we flesh it out together. Why don't we run through that for... Oh, yeah. Okay, so game concepts. A lot of people might get stuck on how to even create a game or even know what to run a game on. The first thing I do is I start with a genre. So, uh, real quick, uh, a mystery, horror, sci-fi, sci-fi, high fantasy, low western, fantasy, yeah, anything that you like. Yeah, literally think of your genres of movies, and that's more or less what this is. Yeah, exactly. So, what are you gonna do? And not action adventure, but like, are you doing a modern game? Yeah. So are you doing... Because action-adventure is like a way that something gets played out. They're yes. all going to have action-adventure. But how? what's the the main theme of the game? Yes. And also another tid, uh, thing right here is just because it's a Western doesn't mean that you have other things in there. So you could have a horror Western, but Absolutely. your main thing is it's a Western with horror elements. You can combine genres. Well, like so let's talk about this. So if you've seen Star Trek, the original Star Trek, the 1960s Star Trek... There are a handful of things that are like Greek and Roman history. Don't even ask me why. There are a handful of things that are horror because they jump on and the ship is, there's no one on it, or everyone's frozen to death, or everyone's yeah. dead. It's the psychological horror of what happened to the ship. And what happened to us. Mm-hmm. Right? And so even with that, even though you're in a sci-fi genre, your gaming sessions or your little subplots, your acts, if you will... Um, if you haven't seen anything about play acting, it, it's our first podcast. You should check it out. I, we're going to reference it a lot. Um, yeah. It's kind of how we think about stuff. But your act could be a genre mm -hmm. inside of a larger genre. Yeah, but and, and, and to go to non-movies, <clears throat> in Halo, the scenes with the Covenant, uh, sorry, are, the uh, Flood, are all, are all horror. horror. Yeah. Yeah, you're trapped, and you got a bunch of stuff happening, and you have low ammo. Yay. So anyway... Um, but the first thing I do is I start with a, con uh, a concept and a genre in that concept. And then I start to create something around it. So um, I did, I recently ran a game that was a political genre. I wanted to tell a political story. And so what I did is I created a timeline of events that would happen if the players never got involved, for instance. And um, it was basically this king lost his wife and he was going to find the most beautiful maiden in the country and he didn't care if that person was married or not and he only wanted noble birth so you can imagine all these noblemen and women are like wait a minute so he could be breaking up a marriage of 25 years for no reason or since it's all about like it was all kind of medieval arranged marriages and power and that sort of thing um you know there's a lot of other things that could happen where He's taking, you know, he's taking uh, someone who's betrothed to somebody else, and that ruins all these political lines. So that yep. was the that was the overarching concept, um, and then out of that, you know, I just basically started plugging stuff in. Now, coming up with a game concept is, uh, I guess, somewhat challenging if you're not consuming a lot of other media, because that's the thing too is you can actually mix a lot of stuff up. So one of our other uh, game masters that we play with, he had this great sci-fi game concept. Oh, that sci-fi was great. Yeah, so he had the sci-fi game concept where basically um, you 
again, normal space opera, Star Trek type of thing. I was the captain, and another guy was the first mate. And it, it was very much like a, because of the jobs that we did, it was very much like a firefly in terms of its structure. Yeah. But then you had underlying political, then you had this mystery of kind of like how the Reavers were, but different. Right. There was this, the, this concept was uh, these aliens were kind of taking over the universe, and they had, in kind of like a Cylon, Battlestar Galactica sort of way, there were there were people that were aliens, but... They didn't know it. They were sleepers. They were sleeper agents. And then you could be infected by the aliens, and they could take over your brain. And so, like, there'd be these moments where we would, quote-unquote, each one of us would lose consciousness, or lo- and we would wake we up someplace know. else, and we yeah. didn't know if, like... Were we infected by this? And, and at the same time, you had a, those same aliens were abducting people and then bringing them back like 30 years later with their genetics all, all yeah. mixed so up. You could kind of see kind of where this goes. The game concept there was space opera, but the overarching thing with these aliens, this memory issue. You have this political faction, and then under, under that, yeah. you have alien manipulation of everybody. Yeah, so you could see what you can do with it. So... In terms of a game concept, I, I like to think about overall genre because that lets me know if I'm doing a D&D high fantasy or a space game or something or like that. heist or a spy noir, something. Right. Yeah, and obviously some of your games make more sense. If you pick D&D and you're not running D&D modern, you're probably doing a high fantasy game. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're running a high fantasy, high fantasy game. You could run a mystery game in high fantasy settings. You, you could run, run a horror Right, you could run a, a horror game. A lot of the game. monsters in D&D have some very good horror aspects to go off Oh, of. well, especially anything that's like an aberration. I mean, it's all Lovecraftian at that point. Or anything that ship sh- shapeshifts or anything like that has oh, yeah. some horror elements you, to it. Yeah, shapeshifting is great. The doppelgangers, you know. Anyway, that said, how I pick my game, my game concept is I start with the genre. After that, then I start dialing in on a, I guess, something I would like to explore. Do I want to explore memory issues with alien? Do I want to explore memory issues? Well, if I'm in sci-fi, I do aliens. If I'm not, if I'm on the high fantasy, maybe there's a relic. Maybe there's a monster that does it. Mm-hmm. If I did Knights Black Agents, I had the vampires kind of act like the silence in Doctor Who. Once yep. you saw them, they they disappeared. Yeah, once you well, once you stop seeing them, you forgot what you saw. Yep. And uh, so another one we had that. Uh, golden age of elves like think tolkien era elves and then they fell because of demons and then yep. we're in the aftermath of that where elves are mortal and they're stone age society right exactly everything's fallen fallen civilizations heights of civilizations are harder to run but anyway that that gives you an idea and then what i normally do is i come up with a, a small cast of characters one to three people Really more than one, but like three to five people. And I center the game around these NPCs and what these NPCs are doing. And then I shove the players in to find something to do. So if it's horror, they got to stop one of those three to five NPCs, maybe all of them because they're all working together. That's part Mm -hmm. of the mystery. Maybe it's an absolute straight up mystery game. They got to find clues and they got to figure out which of the, you know, like a Scooby Doo type of game, which of these five guys or gals is actually the the killer, the serial killer. Yes. Or, you know, you can just see how you can go with it, right? You can do political intrigue with kingdoms fighting each other. Again, which of these three to five matter? And then you have the players in a kingdom thing of who do they choose? And then yeah. there's repercussions of their choices. So I guess the reason why I love D&D and um, any other kind of gaming system that I've ever played with, like a GURPS or a Shadowrun or Vampire Masquerade or anything like that, is because you have a rule set, but then you can literally pin your entire game on it. Mm-hmm. Like even Vampire the Masquerade, you could... 
you could actually put it back in the medieval ages if you wanted and run yeah, a high fantasy. For that, actually. And, yeah, and run like a high fantasy esque game. Yeah. Like a War of the Roses, but with vampires. Yep. I mean, and GURPS is easier to do that with than anything else just because it's meant to be generalized. Yeah. But yeah. you can do it with anything. Yeah, and so hopefully this gives you an idea of like. Really, you're bound by your own... Imagination. Exactly. Which is another thing that you employ as a thing called a lexicon. You know, yeah. Uh, lexicon, let's just cover briefly. Lexicon, if you go to SkullRPG.com and you find this podcast on concepts, uh, I will link to a whole thing on the lexicon so you can actually run through it. But I'm just going to just hint at it and make you go to the website for it because we're kind of running over time anyway. The lexicon is a way that you can, it's a game within a game. So what you do is you come up with your concept, then you inform your characters, your players, really what the concept's going to be. And then what we do about, I don't know, maybe a month or so before we're going to start the game, mm -hmm. the GM, the person who's going to GM, will run the lexicon game that night. And so we put on hold the current thing that we're playing. We play lexicon for maybe 35 to 45 minutes. And Lexicon, in a nutshell, is simply this. We run around the room, and all of the players build out the, the the game. And so let's just take a high fantasy game just really quick. It's really simple. So we do a high fantasy game, and I say, hey, we're going to do a high fantasy game. It's going to be political in nature. We're going to have a king, and he's going to basically kind of oppress his subjects. And it's up to you um, whether or not you want to support this king or you want to overthrow this king. And that's all I'm going to give you for this concept. That's what I'm thinking of right now. And then I said, okay, let's play Lexicon. And so you have your players say what they want to see and what they don't want to see. And you just go around. Each person takes turns saying one thing. So I could turn to Jacob and Jacob could say, I don't want to see dragons in this campaign at all. I think dragons are so overdone. I'm, I'm done with them. And mm -hmm. I go, okay, dragons do not exist in this world. And then Jacob would be like, well, no, 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 hold on. They could have existed, but they're all extinct now. Kind of like how Game of Thrones is. Dragons did exist, but they're no longer around. But you don't even want to see it in your game. So yeah. they're still extinct. There's not three dragons running around. Like, okay, so yeah. I know that Jacob doesn't want to do dragons. Great. And I turn to the next player, and, you know, the next player says, um, you know, I would really like to, I don't know. I would really like to explore kind of the world of the Fae in this. Okay, cool. So maybe the king is the king of the Fae. Maybe it's not. Like, my, my entire game could have now just shifted because... This person wants to see Fey politics. Hey, the the king might be getting influenced by the Fey. So now yeah. you have internal Fey influencing the mortal world. Right. If you know what the Fey are, the Fey are fairies. But anyway, they have their own little mythology in the Celtic world. But the whole point is you can quickly see like if you and you just keep going around for like literally like one person doesn't get one thing. You just keep going around until everybody is kind of done. Can't think of anything else to say. And then the GM takes that back. Now, the whole point of Lexicon is that everyone in this room is a scholar, but everyone doesn't necessarily know the truth. Yeah, so going back to me not wanting dragons in this example, you could have another person say that he really wants dragons. So you have two conflicting scholars. Who's right? They might be both right. Dragons are no longer in this world, but there have been a few that have been lying dormant for years, and now they're starting to come out. Right, that could be one of the things. I mean, or the player is so adamant against dragons, you're just like, ah, let's not do this. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. So the point is, though, that gives your players buy-in into your game before you've even started. It also might throw you some really good ideas of, to go off of for plots or subplots. And the players feel like 
they're actually helping you build the world. So now to have, for, for an issue for some GMs of how can I get my parents, uh, my players interested, if they're helping you build the world, they're interested. They at least have a little bit of buy-in. Yep. And you don't have some of the... I don't... When we do the Lexicon game, I don't have as many problems with, uh, you know, the players min-maxing or the players playing on their phone or things like that. So if you want to see how the full Lexicon game really works... Again, SkullRPG.com. Find the podcast section on the website, and you will find it there. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.